0: It's the Andy Thompson Show on ESPN 97.7. The Sports Sports, 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 Two Minute Drill presented
1: by Ideal Home and Auto Paint. Up and under for Taylor. Joe Ty puts it down. Owen oh, Mackey, Roberts three quarter court. He buried it, and it's good. Let's go. Your Winners last night, Snow Canyon uh, got the victory on the road, 64-53 against Crimson Cliffs. They went up in the first quarter, Larry, 20 to 6 in that game. And I think what Snow Canyon did was they said we barely beat these guys on our home floor. We're going to go in and take the fight to the Mustangs. And they came out with their hair on fire in the in the first quarter. And it kind of stayed that way all throughout the game. And I think what is um, flattering for Coach Ball in this game was they were so locked in defensively. Uh, Trey Kelsch, Dre Smith, all their perimeter defenders, uh, Owen Mackey, their two bigs down low, helping out on Feltz, who still had a pretty good game. The hearts and minds, how you know you've got your players' hearts and minds is if they are that willing to play that hard on defense for an entire game. And it was all four quarters. They held Crimson to six points in the first quarter. And Crimson battled back, and kudos to them because they had to scrap and claw. Not a lot of shots were falling um, for them as a team, even at home. It was just a kind of a bizarre game, but credit goes to Snow Canyon for making it so difficult. On them. A uh, good job by the Bigs. The combo Bigs for Snow Canyon, both Owen Aloha and Carter Campbell. Fantastic performance last night. They combined for 18 points. And that's one of the big things when you're going up against a star like Sean Phelps. How is the production for your Bigs going up against him? And they did pretty good offensively. They got into foul trouble, but they kind of rotated it in and out and got some buckets down low. I thought the high to low post last night. They put Owen at the high post. They put either Owen Aloa or Campbell on the low post. They get it to Mackey, and everybody would just shoop, suck up to Mackey, and that would leave a lot of drop-down passes right underneath the basket for the bigs to score easy buckets. Trey Kelch was our player of the game. Even though only, oh, I think he only had four points. He was such a good... uh had so many deflections and steals and generating offense for a guy for shooters like uh, Dre Smith last night. They only made they were only like four or twenty from three, Larry, which is a little bit concerning. It seemed like they shot better than that from three, but their assisted turnover margin as a team was really good. I think they only had eight turnovers on the road, which is a huge win for for Coach Ball and Snow Canyon. And going into last night's game, I was talking about how I thought Crimson Cliffs was perhaps the most underrated team at this point in the season in the RPI at thirteen. And then they lose, and now it's probably Snow Canyon. That was an impressive win on the road. They're 12th. They'll probably move up a little bit. The large margin of jumping up three or four spots—that's not going to happen this time of year. But they'll they'll likely keep going up if they can keep winning these tough games. Um, they got Pine View. On Friday, we'll have that game for you on ESPN uh, 97-7. Pineview got the win against Snow Canyon in the pit last time. Dixie beat Hurricane uh, 81-49. Larry, seven threes for Brecken Robinson for the Flyers. I think Jordan had 12, 12 assists. 14? I can't remember. I think it was 12 or 14 assists. For Jordan Roberts-Brecken finished with 34 points. And Desert Hills got the win in Cedar, 64-52. Eli Allred had 15 points for the Thunder last night. State rankings, I was looking at this today. Number one is Alta. Number one team in the state. They got that Jackson Johnson kid who's a commit to go play at Utah. I'm not sure why, you know? Uh, They have also got Carter Doliak. Who all signs point to him being the son of Michael Doliak, one of my favorite all-time youths. He's one of their better players. He's a senior. I don't think he's committed anywhere, but that's the number one Alta Hawks. Number two is Wasatch Academy. Who we all know about they got the best player, at least recruit wise in the, in the country, in the country, in the state, excuse me. Number three is Dixie. We know all about the Flyers. Number four is Lehigh and number five is Layton. And Dixie, of course, played uh, Wasatch Academy and lost by a possession. I think they lost by three in that game. Dixie trying to go undefeated in Region 9. It's been a while, right? Since anybody's done that, Lawrence, we'll see if they can pull it off. Um, Let's go to Utah Tech. They got a game at the Burns Arena tonight against UTRGV. They've lost four in a row. I'm hoping they can get back to their winning ways. I think they will tonight at the burns hashtag pack the burns and they've still got that deal going on for the rest of the year you get all the men's and women's home games uh, for an incredible i don't know if it's still the same as it was it was a hundred bucks a couple weeks ago and i think it's probably still that because they still got a bunch of their home home games left so you can check that out utah tech trailblazers.com thank you larry
0: I heard Andy Reid is coming to BYU next year. I heard it from a friend's wife's boss, essential oil representative, who has a friend who works with Tom Homo's Grubhub Delivery Boy, who
1: said he read it on...
0: (laughs) The the Cougar Board.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. What do we got, Larry? We've got... Username First and Ten on the Cougar Board who wasn't pleased with my guys, DJ and PK, up on... 1280, the zone. And Sambo is going to read that for us, right, Larry? Yes. Okay. Go ahead, Sambo. This is first and 10 on uh, the Cougar board.
2: David James today is officially a troll. When talking to an NFL draft expert this morning, he said USU is happy because of Jordan Love. U of U is happy because of Kincaid. BYU fans are full of angst because of Zach Wilson. What? That's his go-to? How immature do you have to be about BYU succeeding that you can't say, BYU fans are excited because of Puka Nakua, who crushed it his Mm. first year in the NFL? I'm really tired of the media trope. It's so worn out. It's okay to say positive things about BYU without a chuckle or a smirk. But to be a professional and build all schools up, DJ and PK are amazingly shallow.
1: (laughs) I would say there's... um. Well, first of all, what I would say to First and Ten is there's safe spaces in the Utah media landscape. And I would say, Larry, that me and you are a, <clears throat> excuse me, a safe space for BYU fans. Wouldn't you say that? Yes. We try to keep very um, positive about all the state schools. I think, uh, obviously, Ben Criddle, Mr. BYU on ESPN 960 does a phenomenal job. I mean, he talks about BYU exclusively for like four hours a day. Every day. Nothing but BYU. That's impressive. So you got a whole show there. You've got our guy Yach, Jake Hatch, from the DJ and PK show, who does Locked on Cougars every day. So there are some safe spaces, is what I'm saying. But I also want to throw our hat in the ring. If you're a BYU fan who's sick of the Salt Lake people uh, uh, making fun of your school or your teams, come on down south. ESPN 97.7 slash Fox Sports Utah. And we love talking Cougar sports. And by the way, uh, BYU fans should have very high self-esteem right now when it comes to NFL stuff. They got the best coach in the league is a BYU guy. They've got the best linebacker playing in the Super Bowl BYU guy. You got the top five receiver in the league BYU and you've got the best utility guy in the league uh, in Taysom Hill as a BYU guy, that's a pretty good slate for for Cougar fans. So, the fact that people like to poke fun of Zach Wilson and I do on this show too, shouldn't uh, shouldn't be triggered by that. I guess is what I'm saying, Larry, because you have other people on your depth chart, BYU alum in the NFL on some of the biggest spots. And the other thing about BYU being a being a BYU fan is you're a top five program in the country. As far as programs that people like to troll, Duke, uh, BYU, USC fans, Notre Dame. I mean, it's big programs, right? So in a way, you should be flattered. Texas, you should be flattered. And kudos to you for not having a horns-down equivalent that's unacceptable if, if people do it to you. And secondly, let me just say one more thing, Larry, about the BYU-Utah dynamic, which is there is a pretty big faction of Utah fans who hate BYU more than they love Utah. In fact, that's like 35% of Utah fans who their disdain for BYU is more than their love for Utah. There is not... a a big faction of that for BYU. BYU fans love BYU. It's a lifestyle and although they hate Utah, they don't hate them more than they love BYU. They want BYU to succeed. They've been away from Utah for a long time. They've been cheering for them in that crappy WCC basketball conference forever, independence and football, and they can exist in a bubble. They didn't want Utah to come to the Big 12 because they were happy being separate. It was a divorce that they were happy with, whereas Utah fans, especially in basketball, they need BYU. In order for anybody to care about Utah basketball, except for the diehards, they need BYU. They need that benchmark rival sibling that they can say, are we better than BYU? That's all we care about. And we're actually going to be more interested now in basketball because we get to judge ourselves against that program we hate them so much that's what drives uh, basketball fandom at least that's my theory um aggie fans there's a lot of half-assed aggie fans i'm one of them um down here in st george there's there's some diehard guys like our guy jeremy um but for the most part, even Aggie fans still pick a Utah or BYU side. And that's almost like their varsity team. So, BYU, you're always going to get poked and prodded, but we always love to have you here on the Andy Thompson uh, show with uh, Lawrence, the pigskin-picking robot, and, of course, Rustin Burnside. Thank you, Larry. Pandering local poll of the day. Oh, they can pick down here from the gun. Here they show blitz. Here they come. He gets it away, and it's picked off at the goal line. There's a flag thrown on the run back. James Harrison to run it back, and Harrison is past midfield. Harrison going down the sideline. Harrison still on his feet. Harrison is going
0: to go all the way and waiting for the official to get there. Touchdown is Signal. It's a 100-yard interception return.
1: Wow. What is the best play in Super Bowl history? Well, this is a good poll question, I guess, Larry. Even though we have all next week to talk about the Super Bowl, um, that was the James Harrison play. That was the pick six, the pick one hundred. That right before halftime, it was by the way, one horrible pass by Kurt Warner. Two, he may have been down. Larry. This might be my Homer goggles for Larry Fitzgerald, but I was watching it today, and if we had replay back in 09, they would have zoomed in on Harrison getting tackled by Fitzgerald on the inch line, and it's close. I mean, I think he's in, but it's pretty dang close. So people always point to that as the greatest play in Super Bowl history. I'm going to give you mine. I'm first going to give some honorable mentions. The David Tyree catch where he's got gum on his helmet and he catches it when Eli beats Tom for the first time. That's up there. That's honorable mention for me. The Santonio Holmes game-winning catch for the Steelers in that same game. The James Harrison game. Big Ben throws it to Santonio. Toe tap, back of the end zone, wins the game for the Steelers. That was up there. The Julian Edelman catch in whatever Super Bowl that was in. And I think that was the Falcons comeback game. That's the greatest catch I've ever seen because it's bouncing around. He somehow with like two fingers plucks it before it hits the turf. That catch is unbelievable, Larry. That's up there. The uh, Kevin Dyson coming up a yard short play in the Super Bowl is up there. But for me, out of all those, including the James Harrison pick 100 right before halftime, the best play in Super Bowl history is Malcolm Butler's interception. This was, it was a do or die. You either win the Super Bowl or you lose the Super Bowl on this play. They're on the one and a half yard line. These other plays happened with time on the clock and, you know, Harrison's was at halftime. The other plays weren't the basically the last play of the game. The Seahawks were either going to win on that slant or the most miraculous defensive play in the history of the Super Bowl, Super Bowl was going to happen, and that was Malcolm. And for me, that's number one, and I don't think it's number one for a lot of people. And it's what Bill points to as why people should still think he's a good coach, even though he sucked without Tom, because he's the one. He's the one who watched the film. He's the one who told Malcolm, hey, go do this thing when they show this. And then he did it. So that's number one, Larry. The other thing Belichick can point to, by the way, is winning winning 11 games with Matt Castle. The year that Tom went down, right? Yes. So I still respect Bill, even though the whole NFL doesn't. Nobody wants any part of him being their coach, which is amazing. And same with Mike Vrabel. How how do neither of those guys have a job right now? God, I thought Vrabel was the best option for any team. Uh, but he's jobless. And so is uh, Darth. Do you agree with my list, Larry? Would you have... No. Would you have uh, Butler as number one? No. You would have Harrison probably as Yes. One. Well, I think that's probably the most uh, impressive play. A D lineman who is juiced to the gills with steroids, as Harrison was, but he still had to make the run. Brutal effort, by the way, for Kurt Warner trying to make the tackle. I know he's 40 years old, but... It is the Super Bowl. You did just make the horrible pass. Can you at least try to get to his legs or something? <laughs> uh, pathetic effort. In that movie where it's all about Kurt Warner and a great American hero, hero, they should do an epilogue to that movie and say, but this is pathetic. Um, I'm missing several, I'm sure, but that's my list. Alright, let's do Who Dis, Larry. This is for Benjas. 435-900-3776. If you're from Southern Utah, this is a layup. You're gonna get it. It's just a matter of will you get it first. 900-3776. Sambo's got this one, right? Yes. Alright. Who Dis? Go ahead, Sambo. Time for Who Dis on The Andy Thompson Show.
2: I was a three-sport athlete in high school in southern Utah and was an All-State basketball player in 1998, the year Britton Johnson won Mr. Basketball in Utah. I'm 6'4 and was also dominant at football. Not only on offense and defense, but I was an All-State punter in Region 9. I went on to play at BYU and scored seven touchdowns my senior year under coach Gary Croton. I got drafted into the NFL as a tight end in the second round of the 2002 draft. Who dis? text 435 900
1: 3776 very gettable i didn't know all that about this guy by the way three sport athlete all state in basketball all state in football the same year a young um a young paul peterson was all state at the quarterback position by the way 435-900-3776. Who dis for Benjas. We do it. Uh, we're going to start doing it every Thursday. And then tomorrow we'll do win uh, my lunch money. Win Andy's lunch money. Right? Right at lunchtime. You win. We Venmo you. You go and get a club sub on uh, on the big fella. Right, Larry? We're doing that tomorrow? Yes. All right. We'll do that right around noon tomorrow, when Andy's lunch month. Okay. Thank you, Lawrence. Do You Likey? All right, Do You Likey is brought to you by uh, our good friends at, uh, let's see, we got a new sponsor for uh, Do You Likey. It's Cover It Storage. Tired of worrying about where to park your RV or boat? Cover It Storage is your choice. For secure and convenient storage solutions, visit coveragestorage.com or give them a call at 435 680 8862. Coverage Storage has you covered. All right, who do we got? Who we like you today, Larry? Oh, we've got DP. Dan Patrick, you hear him every day on Fox Sports Utah, 1019 FM. Uh, the best in the business. If I do say so myself, let's do it, Larry. What's on DP's mind? I'll tell you if I like you. I got a grassroots campaign that I want to run by. you, And I want you to tell me if you like it and what we can do. So mm-hmm. it's something to think about when it comes to when the Super Bowl is played. If we have two weeks in between, mm. conference title games and like the Super Bowl. I like where he's Bowl. going here. How about... We play the Super Bowl on the Saturday instead of the Sunday two weeks after the AFC-NFC title games. Who's with me? Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm with him. Sorry, I meant to be more uh, enthusiastic. Yes, DP, I'm with you And the Danettes, fantastic. Safe Super Bowl weekend. I don't think this is a new thing. Um... I know some people say delay it by a week. Do something with the playoffs where the Monday will be President's Day and then you get the Monday after the Super Bowl off. The point is you want a day off after the Super Bowl and you don't want to get that Sunday depression at about the third quarter. Thinking about having to go into work the next day. I would say for most people, um, they don't have a team in the Super Bowl. So you're watching the game and if the game sucks, Then you can really start getting depressed at about the third, you know, third quarter, fourth quarter, because football season's over, and it's Sunday night, and you got to get up the next morning. So I like this idea, Saturday'd be great, be fun to have the next day off. There, I, I talk about crappy Super Bowls, but there really haven't been that many crappy Super Bowls. I don't know what's changed since, you know, the 90s, but... There haven't been a ton of crap Super Bowls. I mean, Tom, the most recent ones, last year's was good. Mahomes beating, um, Hurts. The Rams beating the Bungles was okay. That was actually a great one, right? Because Stafford needed to go downtown to Cooper Cup to win the Super Bowl. That was good. Tom beating Mahomes was not good. Anyway, I would say 75% are usually good games. It used to be they all sucked. Through the 80s and the 90s, there, like, wasn't one good Super Bowl. I guess Elway helicoptered Super Bowl was good. That was a close game. Um, The Titans and the Rams was a good game in 99 or whenever that was. But there were a lot of clunkers. All of Montana's Super Bowls were blowouts, you know. So we've been lucky, and I think this year we're going to have another great Super Bowl. So good on the NFL, because college football can't say the same thing about their championship game. Their championship game always sucks. College basketball usually is bad. The teams are worn out, and it's a 10-point win for North Carolina or whatever. I mean, you can think of the Villanova one that was a buzzer beater from a few years ago. But most of them are terrible. I can't even remember the national title last year. UConn, right? That annoying Hurley coach won with UConn. I don't even remember anything about the game. So the Super, so Roger does everything right, including having good title games. Um, While we're on the topic, so I agree with Dan. I like you. I like you. Thank you. Let's go to uh, Patrick Mahomes' dad, who if you don't listen to DP, you can listen to Grainy on ESPN. And uh, they had a sub in for, for Greenberg, but they were interviewing uh, Pat F. Mahomes Sr. and asked him who the best quarterback of all time was. Do you think he's
0: the greatest quarterback of all time?
1: Mahomes. Right now?
0: Uh, that's still to be determined. Uh, he still has a way to go... Uh... I have mad respect for Tom Brady,
1: and I grew up as a, a, a Joe Montana fan, and and those guys are that ilk. So uh, he he's on the right trajectory,
0: but uh, right now I would still say those guys are, are better.
1: So good on Pat Sr. And I bet if you talk to, like, if you talk to Mahomes' dad, if you talk to Tiger Woods' dad... I bet if you talk to M. Jeff's dad before he passed away and Jordan had three titles, I think, when his dad died, um, or maybe just two and then he won his third after his dad died, I bet if you talk to all those guys' dads, they'd be like, say, say the same thing. Like, no, you're not the best, even though you are right now in the league, they would always kind of put that out there to their kid to get better and not say, oh, yeah, my kid's the best ever. Maybe not a lot of dads would do that, but um, for me, Mahomes is the best player I've ever seen, you know. I know it's a legacy thing, and he's got to go win titles, and Tom did it and made seven, and this will be Mahomes' third, but he's only 28. And if he and Reed stay together, they can play with a bunch of just... They can play with Mahomes and 21 Jabronis. Even though their defense has gotten good and he's got Kelsey, get rid of Kelsey. Put any other tight end in there and he'll be the best tight end in the league, is my opinion. And my thing with Kelsey is I know he's great and I know he's physical and I know he runs after the catch and I like Kelsey. But in the argument with Kelsey and and Gronkowski... Um, Kelsey is the, uh, the, uh, what's the word, Larry? He is the, uh, beneficiary of a lot of Mahomes freelance stuff where Kelsey just plays ultimate Frisbee. He's just running around side to side. He's, he's freelancing on his route. And when Mahomes does a, a magic trick, throws it to Kelsey, and there's not anybody 10 yards around Kelsey. He just kind of gets lost. Gronkowski didn't have one play like that his entire career. (laughs) Like, Gronk had to beat his guy on his first move, you know? He had to go up and get it in traffic. He had to catch balls over the middle. He never caught a pass when he was open. Kelsey is open constantly because... His first move is covered, and then he knows Mahomes can extend the play for ten seconds, and Kelsey just goes fine goes and finds an empty spot of turf and catches a wide open pass. So I understand that that Gronk also gets credit for having, you know, diminished a little bit because he played with the best quarterback ever in Brady, but it was a different type of thing that he had to do to catch all of his passes. So, Gronkowski's still the best tight end ever, um, even though Kelsey will pass him on all this stuff. And you could probably say the same for Tony Gonzalez, who was catching passes from Trent Green. And you could probably say the same for um, Antonio Gates, who was catching passes from Phillip Rivers. Um, Kelsey, you know... It would be interesting to see if Kelsey couldn't play for a year, like he had to go and plan his wedding or something and had to take a year off. Um, If they just put garden variety tight end, you know, Matt Bushman in there and just see how many layups he got because he's the tight end for Mahomes. Am I crazy here, Larry? I like Kelsey. I think he's great. I mean, some of the catches he made last week on that kind of back shoulder thing where he's sliding down and, and catching the pass. That's it. That's a great catch. And he makes a lot of those, but he also makes a lot of easy ones because of his quarterback. Yes. Thank you. Um, oh, one more thing, Larry, on the Dan Patrick thing that I forgot about was about having the, the Super Bowl on Saturday. The last World Cup was played December 22nd, 2022. That was a Sunday for some stupid reason. Maybe it was because it was over Christmas and nobody cared. But um, how many Argentines went to work on that Monday? Zero. Nobody. Um, and then for America, that's our World Cup, the Super Bowl. So we should not be going to work the next day. Great point by the big fella. Do you agree? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Let's uh, next topic, pal. What do you got? Oh. Weekly memoriam. Who's passed away or been canceled? Why since do the last we end we on this one, Larry? Cute as priest. Don't know nothing about Lady Liberty standing there in a the hop. With a torch on high, screaming out to all the wall of nations in a wild, send me your poor, your deadbeats, your filthy. <laughs> and all the nations sent them in here. They come swarming in
0: like ants, and they're all free to live in their own separate sections.
2: <laughs> Where They feel safe, and they bust your head if you go in there. <laughs> That's what makes America great, buddy.
1: All right, so who has died? Uh, Larry Norman Lear died like three months ago. Norman Lear, who did uh, Archie Bunker, the the clip we just played. And by the way, Larry, you had to edit the, the, the snot out of that clip. That show is in the 70s, and he says everything in that clip. He says every slur for every race. He says the slur for gays. He says them all. And uh, who was I talking about? Oh, who was I listening to? It was Norm. Norm MacDonald had a great point about that show, which was... So Norman Lear writes that he's the most brilliant TV writer ever. He's dead now. He was 101. He just died a couple months ago. But Norm says... That Lear failed in that show because Lear's idea was to make Archie into this hateable curmudgeon and have everybody agree with the young guy, Rob Reiner, uh, Meathead. How old are you, Larry? Do you know this show? No. But nobody did. They all liked Archie. Archie's the top TV character, maybe ever. And uh, so Norv says no. Norman Lear's an idiot. His thing backfired on him. He was this huge liberal guy, and everybody fell in love with Archie. <laughs> and, but Ar- Archie, you cannot play anything that he said. And that it's unbelievable what he was saying on that show. I, I've never even seen it, except for you know a couple of clips every once in a while. But he's you know he'll he's they're gonna have to burn his. Uh, his, uh, Archie Bunker's chair in the Smithsonian one day. Because I think, are they starting to cancel these fictional characters, too, probably, at this point? Right, Larry? Like, Archie Bunker, Darth Vader, some of these really bad dudes. (laughs) Yeah, you gotta throw these guys out. Alright, good job. Uh, rest in peace Norman Lear. Died at the age of 101. Hollywood icon died December 5th, Larry. It's February. All right. Uh, we're going to finish sport hole today with uh, Katie, who's got an early report for us. Uh, usually here at right around 5 o'clock. Katie uh, Rosen Rosen, presented by uh, balanceofnature.com. Don't be one of the 9 out of 10 Americans that don't get their proper serving of fruits and veggies. Balanceofnature.com. Take it away, Katie.
0: Nice, guys. First hour was a blast. If you take off the B and add... In the ratings. From the Sport Old National News Center on Bluff Street, I'm Caney Rosen Rosen. (laughs) Kevin Durant made his return to Barclays Center in Brooklyn Wednesday night and said he thinks that he, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden simply didn't have enough time together. Quote, we could have done some special things sitting on the end of the bench in our street clothes, Snapchatting during the games. After losing to Purdue last night, Northwestern coach Chris Collins expressed frustration over the 38-shot free throw disparity in the game. This is basketball karma, Chris, for when your dad had his best player shoot 40 free throws a game every game. An Indiana businessman and youth baseball coach has pleaded guilty to federal charges related to a betting scheme on college baseball last spring, according to the District Court of Northern Alabama. Pete? <laughs> Today's Sport Hole National News is brought to you by Lawrence's mom. From the Sport Hole News Center on Bluff Street, I'm Kenny Rosen-Rosen, ESPN 97.
1: Thank you, Katie. Did you say Kenny Rosen-Rosen? Thank you, Katie. Great job. One of my favorite parts of every show. Presented by balanceofnature.com. All right, that's the sport hole. We'll be back with uh, Rustin Burnside right here on your local sports leader. Thanks for being with us.